everything's still remaining out of a place of love. And so I'm going to take a little bit of a, a, a detour, but I hope I will be able to link it all together. And still in this place of love. And so growing up, I, um, you know, would, would in, let's say it in my, my earlier walk with, with God, I would hear people say things like, blessed are those that mourn, blessed are the humble. And you hear all these things and you say, man, God, like it kind of feels a little bit wishy-washy, you know, just like I always need to be the better one. And it's kind of like a push over, walk over. And then until you really understand what it means and what is really ingrained in the scripture, then you understand that it's actually more powerful and not so wishy-washy and not so, you know, walk over. And um, so I'm going to talk a little bit, still coming from a place of love, but with a little bit of how we love each other and how we are called to sometimes a little bit of tough love. Now, I mean, emphasis not on tough, right? Everything from a place of love. And so I'll start by saying that love isn't always meek and mild. Sometimes love can be firm and tough, but it's still love. And it's very simple. You know, Meralda and I, we are married um, nine years, and I would not be the person that I am today had it not been for her. You know, sometimes you say, hey, Johandre, I don't agree with this. Hey, this is, this, is, this is not right. You know, and you've got two responses. You can either say, no, 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 no. And then later be the guy that needs to say, you know, had I just listened, you know. And the same with parents and kids. You know, we love our kids, but can our kids get everything they want all the time? No. And so sometimes there is a bit of tough love because we are leading and guiding people to the truth. And so I'll read it. As a quote that I found, it says, Tough love is the willingness to do the tough things out of a heart of love. We generally think of tough love as taking the hard approach to discipline, refusing to enable harmful behavior, or calling the error out of others. The Bible says that this action should always be driven by love. So it's not me going over to a person saying, Hey, you're wrong. You know, you can't do this. No, 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 no. You see, the thing is, we still need to stick to the principles that is so beautifully laid out in 1 Corinthians 13. We need to use wisdom, right? We're not coming with a beating stick and saying, hey, you know, we are challenging this person and saying, listen, have you thought of, can we talk about this, right? And can I lead you and guide you? Had it not been for Meralda, had it not been for a few people in my life and still today that say, hey, listen, have you, have you considered this? Have you have you thought about that? Then, you know, we, we need that check so that we can stay in accountability and so that we can stay on the right path. I mean, in, two, in Galatians 2, I'm just going to use it as reference. Galatians 2, 11 and 13, you know, Paul confronts Peter. You know, he says, hey, listen, you, at first you ate with the Gentiles and now you're not. What's this? This is not right. In um, Matthew 21, you know, Jesus is in the temple and um, he's upset because they are turning it into a marketplace, into a bazaar. You know, those are, those are tough things, tough love, you know. And so the thing is, sometimes it's difficult to receive and share, but it should be acted upon in love. Um, a quote that I found from Warren W. Viersby, I think that's how he said, he says, truth without love is brutality. Love without truth 
is hypocrisy. And so everything that we do needs to spring forth from that place of love, guiding by the Holy Spirit and the way in which we go about it. In Ephesians 4, it says, when you do this, speak the truth in love. So, I can't do it without love. In Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, a spirit of gentleness. When we do it in a spirit of gentleness, and it's always, it should always be redemptive and restorative. We're not coming with tough love so that we can, you know, pull a person in a completely different direction, not pointing towards God and not leading them into a closeness of God. And then lastly, Hebrews 10, it says, let us consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds. So clearly, there's an importance in that we need to walk in love with one another, accountability for one another. Because sometimes, because we love, and this is maybe just me thinking this way, you kind of think, oh, because I love this person, I'm, I'm going to tolerate it and I'm going to accept it, you know, and all these kind of things. But in the right time, the right word is exactly what a person needs to lead them on the right path. All right, this is not a heavy message. This should be a beautiful message. You know, when someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, there's something in your life that I want to question about, our response should not be to defend and fight back, right? We can think about it, and we can pray about it, and if the person is wrong, because we have a relationship, we can say, hey, let's talk about it. I think you got a little bit wrong. In most cases in my life, and it's just, I don't know if you've experienced this before, if you have done something wrong, there's something beautiful in how God disciplines, but at the same time draws you close. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I, I, the only example I can have is, again, with kids. You know, what you've done is wrong, but come here, I love you. Not to confuse, not to say, listen, this behavior is acceptable, but saying, listen, hello, no, 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 no. This is, this is not right, but nothing has changed with my love for you. Does that make sense? All right. And so, love confronts, and this is my last part before I make a hard right. Like I said, confrontation is always redemptive. So, by looking at Matthew 18, which, where it talks about discipline, it says, if a brother sins against you, show him his fault in private. You see, this is not where everyone is here and saying, you, you know. We don't do that. Relationship is important. Relationship comes first. And so I'm going to make an appointment with you and I'm going to say, hey, listen, let's talk a little bit about life. You know, I've, I've, I've discerned a few things. I've seen a couple of things. And if we do it according to how the Bible says, most probably the person will say, you're right. I need to repent and forgive. And then it says, I don't know if I put it here, but it says, if you have done that, you've won that person over, right? So it's redemptive and restorative always. It goes a little bit on, and it becomes a little bit harsher in, um, in Matthew 18. It says, well, if the person does not, then it says, well, get some witnesses, right? But when you do this, you must know that you know that you know that you know. And if you're wrong, you're going to say, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Please, right? 
this is not me coming with, you know, and trying to correct someone else, right? Because there is a, there's a standard, right? It says also we, we always need to look to ourselves, right, in Matthew 7. And then lastly, and I mean, trusting it never gets to that point. If the person still doesn't want to reason, then you go to the, to the church. You see, the church is, is the final part, right? Sometimes in, in this time, people go to the church first. And if the church directs people well, they're going to say, go to that person first. Let's, let's talk about this. And then let's, we'll pray for you, you know. And then, you know. So when you are in this relationship of, of tough love, you need to know what's your motive. You need to know how with wisdom, gentleness, and love. And remember that it should always be redemptive and restorative. Sound good? All right. So this is now where I make my heart right. In, um, and I'm, I'm hoping that you can see how, how it all ties together. In, in January, I, I saw a post. I'm terrible at social media. If you want to reach me, call me, send me a message. If you're going to send me a message on Facebook, I'll probably respond to you in 2027. If you send me a message on Instagram, probably 2032. It's just, it's just I, I don't know. That's just my personality. It doesn't mean I don't go and, you know, see a couple of stuff. So in January, I saw, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a, with a guy named John Bevere, but he had this very gripping post, and he said, what is the fear of the Lord? And so I thought, you know, I've, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. I've read a little bit about it. And then it became kind of like, I don't want to call it an obsession. It's not obsession. Well, if it was, it wasn't a bad one at least. But then I got gripped with, with this idea. And so I started reading a little bit, you know. And um, I mean, a simple question to ask is, as we are sitting here, what are you fearing? Right? What, what is it? Is it someone's life? Is it your job? Is it... So in most cases, the fear would be connotated especially to things that can happen to us, to people, to situations, right? So there's, there's an element of, of being scared, but that's not the fear of the Lord. A lot of people think, well, when we hear fear of the Lord, they think, well, Old Testament doesn't apply New Testament. Well, then we need to be very careful because then we're saying there was a different God in the Old Testament to what there is in the New Testament. And that's also not true. Right, the difference is Jesus came and we have grace that's abounding, but it still means we need to have a healthy fear of the Lord. And so when, 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 when do we fear? When we're scared of something, right? Let's start right at the beginning, Adam and Eve. They're in the garden, they sin. What's the first thing they do? They hide from God. Why are you hiding from God? Right? And so in most places, it refers to being, being scared of God. And the only reason why you need to be scared is when you've done something wrong. If I'm driving on the highway and I'm doing my 110 in 120 zone, I don't need to be scared of the law enforcement. Maybe it's a wrong example here, but at least in South Africa. But I mean, if I'm doing 160 and the guy pulls me over, then we're going to talk, right? Because then, then, then I have reason because I didn't stick to the rules. And so the clear distinction that I'm trying to start getting us to understand is that 
the fear of the Lord, if I put it in a different way, and I like how this sounds, it should lead us to be scared to be away from Him. Right? And what separates us from God? Sin. Right? So, I've been asking God and I've been praying about how I should go about this. And so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a, a couple of scriptures and I'm just going to pause in between. And just for a second, I want you to, to think about, reflect, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for, for your life? And then I will try my best to put it all together. I might not do all of them. There's quite a lot. But um, I do quite like these. In Proverbs 1, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Think about that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I like what it says in Psalms 110, 111, verse 10, sorry. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who follow his commandments have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Most of the scriptures from NASB, but the, I like what the, what the New Living Translation says. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation. Now, foundation means everything that we are doing, we're building on it. So now, I mean, you can already say, well, you took a hard ride to the fear of the Lord. How does this relate to what we've been talking about in terms of love, in terms of prophecy? Well, this might be my opinion, but if I'm going to tell someone something without fear of the Lord, oh man. So from a place of love, from a place of encouraging one another in terms of speaking about the Lord, I, I need to have reverence and awe for God's word that I'm going to be sharing with someone else. I'm standing here. I'm scared in a good way because they, they, there's, there's, God is going to, going to look and he's going to see and he's going to, you know, act. I'm not talking Old Testament now. If we continue in Proverbs, in uh, Proverbs 3 verse 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. So if we have a healthy fear of the Lord, that should lead us to not go into sin. I was going to keep this to a little bit later, but since I'm on that trade, my opinion, but wait, let's hold my opinion for a second. I'll get there, I'll get there. So just again, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Proverbs 8, verses 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. Now, I mean, many people will say, hate is such a strong But if we fear the Lord, understanding that we have reverence and awe for him, 
And it also means that when things are happening that are not right, it should bother us. Now, what we do about it, that's where we need the wisdom and the guidance of, of God, right? Listen to this. This is so cool. Proverbs 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. So this morning, I'm not, I'm not going into in-depth study, right? I'm not um, going to break things down. I'm just going to read the word of the Lord as it is. In Proverbs 14, verses 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will have refuge. I love this. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life by which one may avoid the snares of death. This is some good words, isn't it? So... I mean, I love my parents, you know, but because I know if I do something wrong, it will disappoint them, I think twice, right? And so, this is just some promises that saying, well, you, dad and mom, you are walking in reverence and awe, so it, it goes over to your, to your children, and it says it's a fountain, which means it's ongoing, right? A fountain is ongoing, and it says that it avoids the snare of death. And so, if I have a healthy fear of the Lord, when I get into situations where there's temptation or there's these kind of things, because of the fear of the Lord, He will guide me out of it, right? Coming back to my opinion, my thought, that is, that is why if we just look outside of the Middle East, well, not just in the world, we see people acting lawlessly and the way that they do, because there's no fear of the Lord. Jumping ahead, maybe you guys have heard the story of um, Jim Baker. don't know, anyone know the story about Jim Baker? So, televangelist in 1974 to 1987, from my understanding, pretty popular, well-known. And um, he got convicted, jailed. Um, I think his sentence was shortened for five years because of adultery in 1983 and some hush money that he had paid. So, this was a, a conversation that John Bevere had. Um, he went to go see him and... Um, you know, as they were chatting, he said, man, this jail, which, you know, could potentially be the punishment of God, is God's mercy. I said, well, you know, how can you say that? He said, because in, in jail, I, I, God led me through, you know, all the wrongs that I've done, and I'm at a place now where I've realized, and I can ask forgiveness, and I can ask for repentance, but, you know, there's still the consequences that I need to bear for, for what I've done, right? And so, John Bevere asks him, he said, so tell me, I mean, you, 
you, you know, walked so powerfully in, in, in the Lord and preached so powerfully, when, when did you fall out of love of, of God? And he looked him straight in the face and he said, I never did. And he said, but, but how? You know, how are you a pastor and you're, you're preaching, you know, and then you committed adultery and, you know, money and these kind of things. Like, how, how? And he said, I don't have fear for the Lord. And so, I mean, please don't, don't take this message this morning as uh, any form of a rebuke. Not at all. It should probably be more of an encouragement than anything and saying, hey, listen, if I sit here this morning and I have forgotten a little bit about the, referen- the reverence and the holy." of God, then, and that's how his ministry started, then I need to repent. Is that good so far? All right. This is quite cool. In um, Isaiah 11, Verse 2 and 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, Jesus, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And then it says, And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. This is Jesus. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. In Isaiah 33, verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness, and he will be the stability of your times, a wealth of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Jesus delight, God's treasure. I mean, I don't know about you, but immediately when I think treasure, I think Matthew says where your treasure is. Is it? Where your heart is there, your treasure will be? Sorry, that one. So what this, what this says is it says that, that, that we need to treasure it. In, um, in Exodus, you know, we see, the, we see the story about Moses and Aaron. I mean, just an example of one who feared God and other one who feared people. Moses is the one that goes up Mount Sinai. Aaron comes down. They say, well, where's this man that led us? Not where's God. Where's this guy? Where's Moses that led us? Oh, he's not here. Well, make, make another God for us. You know, and then we hear the story about the golden calf. No fear for God. And so it sounds like I'm, I'm quoting a lot, you know, from like the Old Testament. But we'll get to the New Testament in just a second. So just quickly again, what is the fear of the Lord? It means we are in awe and reference of him. We honor him. We tremble. We revere. We respect. And we highly value him more than anything or anyone. 
when uh, the disciples asked Jesus how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. There's that reverence, that awe of who he is. So I just talked a little bit about, you know, just my opinion in terms of the world, you know, and no fear of God. Um, in Romans 3, if I can not mix up my papers here. Romans 3, and this is a, a quotation of some of the Psalms and some of the, from Isaiah. In Romans 3, 11 to 18, it says, there is, no, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is in their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And they make, they, and the way of peace they do not know. And then verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So what is the encouragement this morning? The encouragement is, guys, God is a loving God. He is a God of kindness and mercy. But more than ever, we need to realize that if we minimized him and we have brought him as an equal to us, we need to repent. What happens when we minimize God? Well, lawlessness. We play God, and we follow the will of ourselves for our life, not his. Two or three more before I wrap up. Psalms 25 says, verses 14 to 15, The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. So this is Psalms 25. The New Living Translation says, The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. I like what the New King James says. It says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. So we've heard treasure. We've heard friend. We've heard secrets. And then, how does this apply to to you and me today? Well, Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, it says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. All right, so right now, today, tomorrow, every day, we are constantly working out our salvation, and we are called to do it in fear and trembling of God. God, you are holy. God, I'm not deserving, but yet I so love when you draw near. Hebrews 12, verses 28. Therefore, since we receive the kingdom which cannot be shaken, 
Let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for God is a, is a consuming fire. Daniel T, holy fear and awe. So there's a difference. So as I as I call um, the band, if you guys can can come up, please. Chris is gonna in a moment just lead us into um, communion as we extend our worship. And so I hope that. The takeaway of, and it, it is it is incredible, incredible, incredibly important that we, that we remain in in this place of reverence and awe in everything that we do. And I'm really trying to do my best to just stick to the word of the Lord. But we have to, we have to, we can't minimize God. That was the constant mistake that the Israelites had made. Three more things. When I have fear of the Lord, in Psalm 89, 89, verses 5 and 7, it says, The heavens will praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies is comparable to the Lord? Who among the sons of might is like him? In verse 7, A God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, and awesome above all those who are around him. So we tremble at his presence. Second one says, tremble at his word. This is in Isaiah 66 verse 2. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool for my feet. Where then is a house you can build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all things. So these things came into being. But I will look to this one. And one who is humble contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. You know, God is love, which means that we don't go scared to him because then it means that we understand him completely wrong. We go to him because he's good, he's loving, he forgives us, but we need to know who he is and what his place is. So, if you are walking in a healthy reverence and awe of God, five things. You obey Him instantly. You obey Him even if it doesn't make sense. You obey Him even when it hurts. You obey Him even when you don't see the benefit. And lastly, you obey Him to completion. So I'll pray for us, and then we'll worship him. Father, just thank you for, for your word. Thank you that you are good, you are holy, you are kind. And just this morning, we just come and we just submit ourselves to you again, Lord. I pray that your word, what is of you, would just partake in our hearts, penetrate our hearts, Lord. Your word, 
let it penetrate our heart. It says that it will bring forth fruit. So I really pray, Lord, that as we submit to you, the author, the perfecter, but also our holy, holy, holy king, that you would lead us, you would guide us. Everything, everything, everything that we have belongs to you. So come, fill us. Let your love abound in us, through us. And Lord, if we're wrong, you cover us. It says love covers a multitude of sins. So I pray for each and every one of us here. Let us draw close, Lord. And will your perfect, perfect, perfect good love lead us and guide us so that we can live according to your will and your way in reverence and awe for you. In Jesus' name.